Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That? Uh, the podcast where we sit down and we watch the films that my co-host missed in his childhood. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm joined by Eric. Hi everybody. And uh, yeah, we got a bit of a fun one this week. Yeah, this, uh, this time we're delving into the world of John Hughes. You know, it's not a bad idea. What? Making a girl. Actually making a girl. This is Wyatt and Gary. Something's about to change their world. Something out of this world. She's alive! Alive! What would you little maniacs like to do first? Universal Pictures presents a John Hughes film, Weird Science. It's purely sexual. Weird Science? What year was that, Chris? 1985. Yeah. Just before we were born. Just before. We just miss out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, he put this out in the same year that he made The Breakfast Club as well. Was Breakfast Club re- released the year after? Was that any- No, both in the same year. Talked them both in the same year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so this one is on there. Um, uh, you felt this... I, I've seen Breakfast Club. Yes. So I have seen that one. Um, and you thought this was quite an important one uh, on a few levels. Yeah, well, I, th- I think all, pretty much all the early John... Pretty much almost every film directed by John Hughes, I think, should be in this podcast. Um, if yes. you the oh. ones that you haven't seen, with the exception of maybe Curly Sue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, um, so John Hughes is I, I, I know of Sixteen Candles and um, and I know of Weird Science, but as a kid and a teenager, I didn't. Yeah. Um, it's I don't know, just didn't. Yeah. Um, and Breakfast Club, of course, but he also there's a whole bunch of ones I always forget he did. Um, like, well, what were a couple of his really big ones? He he only actually directed eight films. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Sixteen Candles being the first one, then Breakfast Club Weird Science, and then in 86 he did uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, see, there's those ones that I just, like, massive film, but I just kind of forget that he did it. Yeah, and um, my personal favourite of his are Planes, Trains and Automobiles. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Yeah, so it's another yep. one for me. Um, she's having a baby, Uncle Buck. Uh, but he was. Did he do Uncle Buck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's more known for really being a writer. Mm, That's he, he yeah. wrote before these, didn't? Yeah, he? Yeah, he used to write for the National Lampoon magazine. That's and, right. Uh, so then, you know, prior to becoming a director, he wrote films like Vacation. So National Lampoon, that's where he picked up your doppelganger. Rusty Griswold. Yeah, pretty much. That's how he met uh, yeah. uh, Anthony Michael Hall, obviously yeah. being cast as, yeah, Rusty in. And then all of his other films, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much, much from yeah. Sixteen Candles, Weird Science Breakfast Club, all of, all of those, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, I think I, I was pushing for to be in the first kind of round. We probably should have gone 16 Candles first, because that's probably the that's more... That's the one I, I think of as, like... Tra- the, it's the, more the traditional. Jo- and, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Molly Ringwald, the, his yeah. muse or whatever. But that... This I, one is more of a boyish one in my mind. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> which is why I think I... It, it's a childhood one for me, because... Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I never grew up with a sister or anything, so 16 Candles was, not, was one I kind of yeah. found later in life. But, um... When I first saw this film, I was... It was probably would have been around, like, 92, 93. Yep. And right after seeing this film, there was a TV show based on it that came out. Really? Yeah, that ran for, like, four or five seasons. What was it called? Weird Science. <laughs> really? And with the exact same premise and everything. Yep. Yeah, they, they shifted it and made it a TV show. And I used to watch that TV show and then yep. be like, this isn't, isn't as good as the movie. And then go back and watch <laughs> the movie. And yep. 
yeah, it was, it was a big one for my brother and I. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it. I, I knew of 16 Candles a little bit, but... My sisters would have loved it, I'm sure, but they never mm. watched it. It'll have, it'll end up in the collection. Oh, for sure. We yeah. we just chose this one first because yeah, because this was it, it was your childhood impact. Yeah, like yeah. you said, you you found candles later. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, when I kind of started deep diving on all the John Hughes stuff, uh, yeah, well, you know, my late teens, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So that that's in my mm. to do list. But I guess the the important thing here is, so you haven't seen it. No. What do you think Weird Science is about? Well, I I think. I do understand that it's two two teenage boys basically building a robot girlfriend or something like along those lines. Yeah. And um, and that's about it. And I hope that there's a Human League soundtrack. Okay, okay. <laughs> Will you settle for Oingo Boingo? <laughs> That'll definitely do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, should we jump in? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so that was Weird Science. What the hell did you make me watch? (laughs) Yeah, uh, right off the bat, I will say, that film does not hold up. (laughs) But I was thinking, like, as we were watching it, like, it kind of works because this will be our first uh, foray into films that are uh, not great and problematic. Which yeah. I feel there'll be a few. The, the way I... Um, it made me feel a lot of different emotions. <laughs> but the way I ultimately... I convinced myself to accept it is it's like the American Pie of its day. Yes. In a sense. It's a teenage boy comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, it's about two dirty little perverts. Yeah, who are under the guise of being nerds. And but it's... They're just... They're just Creepy. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> the I whole think... premise is, in our modern day standards, even then, let's be honest, um, it's really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, and the idea that they're both white and Gary, they're supposed to, we're supposed to root for them because they, you know, they're the nerds and they're the dweebs in school and they get picked on and stuff. No, Anthony Michael Hall in Breakfast Club is a nerd who gets yes, picked on. Yes, he is. He's a much bigger nerd. Yeah. He's actually almost charming in this. Y- yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah, and in this, yeah, you're right. They are just weird pervert guys. They remind me of, rather than, yes, the Breakfast Club nerd, they remind me of the Inbetweeners. Okay. In that British show. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, I see that. Literally just the dudes in the middle. They're not jocks or cool. They're not super nerds. Yeah. They're just the nobodies in the middle. Mm. Um, who just, you know, they're teenage boys. They sort of obsess about girls and things like that because, you know, that's the age they're at. Yeah. Um, but they're not old enough to go to a brothel, so they try and build their own. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, let's be honest. And, and they have no social skills to be able to meet girls their own age no. or anything like that because... But we don't even really get any massive failings of them in the first place. We get that yeah. one scene. Yeah, th- that's the problem. And I like wrote down in my notes while watching, like, it escalates so quickly. So fast. To, like, I think eight minutes in, they've created Robot Woman. Yeah, like, there's one scene at the, at the start where they're, they're at the gymnasium and they're watching all the, all the girls in their gym outfits. and Which, off the bat, you're like, uh, uh, all right. It was weird. And they're just their commentary is... is Pretty disgusting, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, teenage boys. Let's let's think yep, American yep, Pie yep. here. Um, and that sort of film. Um, and then the next scene, really, after that, is they're back at Wyatt's house, 
and they're like, let's just make a robot girl. Yeah. And then they're discussing the size of the, her breasts. Yeah. It literally uh, yeah. is, they're watching Frankenstein on TV, and then Anthony Michael Hall is just like, let's use your computer to make a girl. Okay, look, you know how you're always talking about how you can simulate all that stuff on your computer? You know? What's the difference? Why can't we simulate a girl? Yeah, and then it happens. And then it happens. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I'm like I have no... I don't want to do that nitpicky thing of, no. like, the, you know... That's ridiculous. Why would that... Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, but it is... My, my issue is that we... There's no setup for who these people are as characters. No. We, we need to spend maybe 10, 20 minutes with them, understand who they are, what, what their standing is in the school, other yep. than getting creepily watching girls' gymnastics yeah, and getting it's pants. it's purely based on creepiness. Yeah. Like, you could have actually... Ultimately, you, you found that the message the film was trying to deliver was just be yourselves. Be yourselves and it. be confident in who you yeah, are. That was yeah. the ultimate message. But at the start, it was purely based around sex and we want it. And not just that, but also <laughs> she's going to show you guys a good time. You know, there's going to be sex, drugs, rock and roll... Chips, dips, chains, whips. You know, your basic high school orgy type of thing. Yeah. Um, nothing about character building. Like, you know, actually... No, and I don't mind that they... The story was like, oh, we just want a girl to, you know, hook up with and stuff. And then it's like, no, no, you, there's more to life than that. Yeah. But it just... Yeah, there was no extra at the start to then deliver that final message. And yeah. I, yeah, it was just... Yeah. But it's uh, the way I can liken it is... At the point in the film where we would you would normally get the creation of Lisa scene, mm. instead we we've already hit that point where we have Anthony Michael Hall doing the weirdest borderline offensive voice in the back of a car drunk. Okay, forget it. I drive. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. Is he gonna be alright? Yes. Like, we, yeah. we kind of it just propels at a breakneck speed. I couldn't believe like. I'm like, man, we must have been watching this film for like an hour and 20 minutes and we're like half an hour in. Yeah, it, it <laughs> just flies through its beats yeah. real quick. And which isn't necessarily a bad thing, no. but it's just, it needed, I think, it, it's it's awful. I'm going to keep comparing it to other John Hughes films because I think course, that's inevitable. Yeah. But yeah. um, the fact that this came out in the same year as The Breakfast Club, yes, which is a film that is nothing but Character. It's character to the maximum and yeah. really well written. Like, it's so. You feel sorry and happy for all of these characters and they're all really different. Yeah. Um, and with this one, we're given. Like, no character. It, yeah, you just, like. <laughs> not to say the performances were necessarily bad. Actually, they were generally pretty good. We yeah, it's that, just but. the the writing as well. Like, you can have this outrageous story and all of this bizarreness that happens. But just give us ten minutes to identify with these yeah, guys. Yeah, I think that was it. You just need a bit more identity and a little less... To make them feel, at least, a little less creepy. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that... You know, they're, they're 15-year-old boys. We'll talk about the fact that Lisa's 23 later. <laughs> um, but they're 15-year-old boys, and, you know, you've got that... That, that is, will always, or for a long time at least, be a, be a film thing. Um, and that's what they've got on their mind. But that, unfortunately, that was what we copped at the front, at the start. And for half of the film yeah was them just yeah it was very yeah it's hard because it's 30 <laughs> years old yeah but yeah. it's just so objectively like lady equals Object. property yeah yeah. Um, yeah which obviously we've thankfully advanced and we will continue to but it, you didn't have anything else to attach to these characters yeah. apart from put your shirt back on Wyatt <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah and it's it's I mean I could I can give the film some leeway in the idea that 
in there, like, essentially Lisa is an object. I'm not yes. as a... Because she was a created thing. For a purpose as well. Yeah, really, like, so, like, I mean, using the word object in the broadest of yes. senses as I possibly yep. can. And so you can understand the film and the characters kind of portraying her in that sense. But just, it's unfortunate that that's the way that all women are yeah, portrayed in the film. I, I did like, finally at the end, you, you got that bit where Anthony Michael Hall's like, no, I love Lisa, but more in a sisterly way. Yeah. Um, you know, she was what I thought I wanted in a woman. Yeah. Um, and then it was almost, I was joking, I was like, but Deb, you'll do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but like, that was the message is going for this, yeah. this teenage mind of what a woman should be. Yeah. And then, Playboy magazines and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he discovered that it was a bit more than what he wanted, but, mm. um, just felt that maybe it's because it actually kind of got close to reaching that mark. Yeah. But it just, it was just felt a bit gross and awkward. And then kind of actually almost got to delivering quite a growth kind of message. Yep. Um, That's, like, when it hits that kind of third act towards the end, you start getting like, oh, here are the notes of John Hughes. Yes. The John Hughes I know. <laughs> and like, this, is, this seems to be the, the message the film's trying to yeah. deliver, but you didn't get the build-up stages. And for the first part, they were def- I was definitely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, once again, you know, I think as a teenager watching it in the 80s yeah you would have been absolutely fine it, yes exactly like, like I was watching American Pie I look back at it and go I wouldn't watch that now yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> that but, has know, some it's problems it's not aimed at me no probably other people my age but not me no um, which is why I think uh, I enjoyed this film so much when I was like an 8 year old kid in the yeah. late 80s like you know yes. the early 90s I should say the like, technology yeah. and um and the ridiculous, the, the cartoonishness. Oh. Like, okay, I think we're now going to shift away from yeah. all the problematic yeah. stuff Let's into the point talk that... to my other emotion. <laughs> I, I, I had a wonderful time trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> there was multiple times you just yelled, what is happening? I just... Everything happened. Everything. <laughs> Literally everything that you want in an 80s movie. Yeah. Um, there was no Human League soundtrack, but there was a Human League poster I on the I spotted a poster. You yeah. nailed it. <laughs> so um, close. You've got big hair, really weird looking sports cars. You've got yeah. a biker gang, yes. unnecessary boobs. <laughs> yes. You've got Bill Paxton being like that wacky... Yeah, you've got Bill Paxton. Just well, full, yeah, stop. full stop. You stood, butt wide. <laughs> You have Anthony Michael Hall's wide eyes. Yeah, it, it just ticks all of these weird buttons of, like, everything that has to be in an 80s film is in here, and it's just cranked to 11, it pretty was, much. Yeah, at certain stages, like, that scene where they're trying to recreate another woman for Downey mm. Jr. and the other guy. Yes. Um, <laughs> I- Ian and Max were the characters. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... And then all those pieces of furniture start getting sucked out the chimney. Yeah. And you saw it a mile away. You're like, oh, no. The yeah. girl playing the piano. And I'm like, oh, no, surely I, not. I loved your comment of, come on, 80s, you're better than this. <laughs> I was just hoping it wouldn't happen. Yeah. And then she's clinging onto the windowsill, and then away goes her skirt. Yeah. And then away goes her top. Yeah. And then the next scene, she's getting dragged out the chimney, and her bra's gone as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like, oh, 80s. 80s, come on. Um, I think why this film, like, why it works as a teen boy film of the 80s mm. is it's, like, I kind of mentioned it's breakneck speed, but it is like a party of a movie. Like, it yes. just flies along and it's weird and bizarre and... Yeah, and I think that that is actually quite a good thing. If, if the problem with it is if you had more character development, 
you'd end up with a long film. Yeah. And I don't think this film would work being another 15 minutes longer. You'd no. have to edit some other stuff out. Yeah. And, and to be honest, maybe you could edit out the night when they go drinking. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, <laughs> I, think I would totally agree. a great deal of purpose. At least you can trim it a bit. No. Um, yeah, you, you just have, like, the creation of Lisa, and then you have them waking up the next morning. Yes, you could almost transition. I mean, I guess you learned a little bit about I'm not sure, really. I think it's the only thing you get from that night is, like... You must get the Chet stuff. Yeah, you, you get an introduction to Chet, really. And I yes. guess you could argue it's them, it's starting to show the elements of their lack of confidence and stuff. But once they yeah. get some drinks into them at the bar, they have, they're holding court. <laughs> like, uh, yes, they are. Broke my heart in two. Broke my in your heart. So, yeah, I don't know if that... Yeah, you could just excise all of that, I think. Yeah, and just... Other stuff held a much stronger purpose than that. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, like, yeah, it, it was a good length. Like, it, it held my focus, and I was entertained in an odd way. Yeah. It's it's almost like... I, I'd almost liken it to... I was going to say it's like a car crash where you can't look away. But yeah, that's yeah, a bit, it was. It's yeah. almost like a, you know, a Tim and Eric sketch or an Eric Andre sketch yes. where you're just, like, you're trying to... Put the jigsaw pieces together in your head while you're watching it, and I you're think like, that was it. Like it wasn't really clearly. I'm like, ah, oh, this is the next bit, and this. Uh, it's yeah, not always, formulaic. No, it's not formulaic. <laughs> and in a way, that that's a real strength of it. It's just the awkwardness made it hard at Ooh. times. Um, it came home pretty strong. Yeah. Um, like even the scene in the party where the, the mutant bikers show up. Yeah, it's Vernon Wells who actually was the uh, biker guy in uh, Mad Max 2. Yes. Pretty much reprising his role, we'll yeah, say. Yeah, he had the crossbow on his hand. Yeah, and he's wearing the fishnet. He's, yeah. uh, he's changed his little twink into a um, into a, a female one. Yeah, a lady now. Yes, so. I don't know, does that work better for American audiences? I think the way this... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and then it also had that big bald dude from what we said, he's, the Hills Have Eyes. Uh, yeah, Matthew oh, Berryman, who's from a uh, Hills Have Eyes and One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest and things. Yeah, yeah. You, he's one of those like famous 80s, 70s and eighties actors because he of his misshapen head. He's very recognisable. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah. I, I know him from the Hills Have Eyes poster. I have seen the film a long time ago, but mm. he's on the poster of the DVD cover or something. I'm yeah, like, that guy. Yeah, I, he is familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and you were asking as well when we were watching when they were at the scene at the bar and there was the guy wearing the fedora who called Anthony and Michael Hall a malaka. Was that yes? Was that Dino? Was that for the yeah, yeah, the character's yeah. Dino. You know, um, it's he's the janitor Carl from Breakfast Club. Oh, that's what he was from. Ah, so, there we go. Yeah, yeah, like he has to be somebody. Oh, um, he was crazy familiar. Yeah. Hmm. Um, acting wise, yeah, I thought generally it was pretty good. Like Anthony Michael Hall is like unhinged. He's, yeah, he's loose. Um, like yeah, he's not nerdy enough in a way, but he. You kind of need him to be more of a lead. Yes. And he's a super charismatic dork. Yeah. Um, slash creep. Um, I, I really enjoyed his performance. Like, it was a bit over the top. Yeah. But also, like, consistent throughout. Mm. Um, Wyatt went on to be nobody. <laughs> In lo- No, turns out he is a uh, professor at uh, UCLA. <laughs> Oh, okay, he followed a real career. <laughs> yeah, he became, he became an academic, and he's like a doctor and now a professor that teaches at UCLA. I take it all back. I think medieval studies as well. I'm so sorry, Elon Mitchell somebody. <laughs> Elon Mitchell Smith. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, I was are, looking uh, him up. He, he decided... He, 
quit acting and was just like, not a real job. It's like the, guy, the kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. He became a vet. I know. <laughs> Odd fact for those who didn't know it. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I take that all back. You are more competent than me yeah. by a country mile. Yeah. Um, but interesting. he was, we did notice he was credited below Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, to be honest, I could see Lisa pulling top billing. Yes, because she's the focus and she, yeah. she drives so much um, but I guess this is like Anthony Michael Hall at this point at 16 Candles Breakfast Club like he and you know Vacation like he was, was a big enough it's weird to say he was a name actor is he point. a Michael Sarah? kinda I guess that's a like, good way to look at it just looking for a similarly that awkward funny guy I guess and that never aging face yeah but he kind of shifted from like not long after this I say not long but like you know five years later mm. Um, cause he only really played this kind of nebbishy, nerdy kind of kid for, uh, John Hughes. Yeah. And cause like Rusty Griswold's not really that nerdy. He's no, just a regular he's kid. He's just a kid. Yeah. Um, but then Anthony Michael Hall would then go on, uh, the one I know famously is, um, Edward Scissorhands. He plays the jerk boyfriend of Winona Ryder who tries to kill Edward. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's like the oh. tough, heavy guy. He like, when he got older, he... Shifted wow. into being the antagonist. I haven't watched that film for a few years now because last time I watched it, I got very close to tears. So yeah, it's um, a real rough one. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, um, I just know that it's wonderful, and yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but uh, Lisa was her, her accent kept shifting, but at the end of the day, she played the part pretty consistently. I, I thought she was pretty good. Like she was pretty balanced. She had a lot of energy and charm. Yes. That, that's what that character needs for she, you to connect with. She looked powerful. Like when she was yeah. standing up to Chet and stuff, you're like, Lisa's got this covered. I can be a real serious bitch if I don't get what I want. Yeah. And like, I mean, yes, she's got the power of robot magic. <laughs> I think the scene where that really kicks off is when she's um, meeting Gary's parents. Yes. Anthony yeah. Michael Hall's parents. Yeah. They, um, and she just steps up and, you know, stands up for him, essentially. Yeah, and, she, and you realise, yeah. yeah. She uses her words as opposed to power and yes. then eventually pulls out a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she shifts a little bit. Each time she she's, uh, shows the boys how to actually have some confidence or she behaves in that role, she's a little bit different. Mm. Like when she woos the other two boys, which didn't actually have that much of an impact apart from pulling them away from their girlfriend. No, and they just disappear. Yeah, from the film as well. Like, and we're wimps. This party's playing Max. What about the girls? Girls, smiles. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no. I did. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I did find out there was a scene that was shot that uh, Joel Silver demanded be cut. Oh. Um, where apparently they're running out of the house and freaking out, and one of them turns into a pig, and the other turns into a donkey. <laughs> that would not have been out of place. I know, right? <laughs> it's Joel Silver, come on. Yeah, I, I forget like why. Yeah, I think I've got it here in my notes. She got um, turned into a trash monster. Yeah, so apparently, yeah, they 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 turn into like these weird human animal hybrids and look over and see themselves in like the reflection of a hubcap and scream or whatever. <laughs> um, what's the reason? Yeah, producer Joel Silver insisted on cutting the scene, rationalizing that it detracted from the later transformation of the film. Like so. Oh, it, it, yeah, so around. Chet's not as big a shock and surprise. True, if you'd already had that, then Chet's weird transformation to who's um a snot monster. Yeah, thing? like he reminds me of um what's the green ghost in Ghostbusters? Oh, like, Slimer. Slimer. Yeah, it's I was like going to s- call him Grimer, but he's he's Slimer cross with Grimer from Pokemon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Was that a Henson workshop? 
No, no, that was just a, just a puppet. Just a puppet, yeah. yeah. Disappointing. Apparently, it was supposed to be Bill Paxton inside it as well, but uh, he did it for a little bit and then freaked out. Like, apparently, he's very claustrophobic, so it was a no-go. Who <laughs> would have thought that crazy guy would be claustrophobic? I know, right? Huh. He, got, he went to the bottom of the ocean in Titanic. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something I did enjoy, actually, though, was the direction of the okay. film. Like, there was just a lot of, like, interesting... And just changing shots, like like one that immediately jumps to mind is when they give the girls some space, so to speak, in the yeah. shower, and they do the close-up conversation just of their mouths. What do we do? I don't know. Should we go for it? What about Lisa? She did say we should party. Look, let's get out with these two score points and go back to Lisa. This is like a dream come true. How about if we see if we can score the points with these two and deal with the mechanics when we get to them later? Sounds good. Okay, whatever happens, gotta give Lisa a shot. I don't want to hurt her feelings. And the girls looking for a long, lean bone job for me. Oh, that's a referencing Dragnet, the old TV series. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. so that's why they're doing the fast talk. Like, yeah, that I just like that the, you didn't have just one consistent... Like, they're often, like... And even, like, when the house is, like, transforming the second time around and, like, the kitchen suddenly just becomes blue. Yeah. <laughs> and things like that. And the it, different shots and... Um, it's a weird... What, like, that's why I kind of liken it to Looney Tunes to some degree. Yeah. Is It's just wild. And that's what... I think if you didn't do that, it would just be creepy, I think. Yeah. Um, it can make it a big cartoon of the film. Mm. Um, and it's not a style you usually see in John Hughes films. Like, there's usually maybe one or two moments. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, Bre- uh, sorry, Ferris, Ferris Bueller, you've got, like, you know, him dancing up, like, the musical number yes. and yeah. things. Um, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, there's, like, a wonderful scene with... Um, uh, like a car accident happening and Steve Martin looks over to John Candy and he's dressed as the devil screaming and laughing at him <laughs> for, like, for like two set, like just a couple of frames. Yep. Like, Wasn't there like one really random frame too where it just cut back to like um, Anthony Michael Hall and he's just like bizarre expression on his face yeah. or something like that? And there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall of characters. I think all three main characters look directly into the camera Down at the certain barrel. points. Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and Anthony Michael Hall's face, facial expressions. Yeah, I... I don't know about his performance. Like, you said you really enjoyed it. To, like... To a point where the film I thought was okay and his wackiness... Yeah, he's his going for it. Yeah, but, that's it. Like, um... It's this creepy charming. Yeah. Um, he, you can't take your eyes off him, but I, I get the sense that it was just... He's having... He's clearly having the time of his life. Yes. I think he's just given free reign. Yeah. You get... You don't have to be a total dork this time. Yeah, and he (laughs) go... He swings for it. Yes. And it's admirable, I'll say. But, um, yeah, it works for the film, but I find it truly baffling as a performance. Yeah, well, I haven't seen him in many things, so it'll be interesting um, to see a couple more down the track. Mm. Um, Yeah, I at least found... Because Wyatt's just pretty boring, let's be honest. Yeah, Wyatt's... Wyatt, Wyatt has the family dynamic to worry about. Yes. Um, Wyatt's essentially the straight man and Anthony yeah. Michael Hall is his buddy. Because, like, yeah. you know, the film takes place in Wyatt's house yes. and it's all through him. His brother, his grandparents. Yeah. His parents. Mm, and um, so it's just, yeah, Anthony Michael Hall is the wacky friend, I guess. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, should we talk briefly? Like, you mentioned him before, but uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s in this movie? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, so, you were saying he joined Saturday Night Live. Both he and Anthony Michael Hall uh, joined the cast of Saturday Night Live this year, in 1985, yeah. So how long did they both stick around for? Um, I, th- I know Downey Jr. was only one season. Okay. Um, and let me just quickly look up Anthony Michael Hall. 
I just I think don't. he might be the same because it was in that season where this was when uh, Lorne Michaels took control of the show again. Over, yeah, again, yeah. like because he left from eighty to eighty five, yeah, and he just cast whoever and kind of was really just trying stuff out. Yep. Yep, only once 12 episodes. <laughs> wow. For both of them, yeah. So, who else was on that cast? <laughs> it's always interesting to find out that sort of stuff, because so many people cycle through that show. Oh, yeah. Because this would have been, like, yeah, just around the time before, like, Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman and stuff coming up. So you've got, okay, this is a weird cast. So, Downey Jr., Anthony Michael Hall, Joan Cusack. <laughs> All right. Nora Dunn. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of her. John Lovitz, Dennis yeah. Miller, Randy Quaid. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Denis Trevance, Terry Sweeney. Um, yeah. yeah. Damon Wayans. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Because yeah. he was just cropping up a bit then, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's a weird cast back then. <laughs> um, yeah, they only lasted a season or two, but there's a, quite a few 80s movies where you see Downey Jr. pop up in these weirder small yeah. roles. And he started to become a more known actor, um, I think it's, I want to say in 1987, uh, the film Less Than Zero, which is an oh, adaptation yeah. of a Bret Easton Ellis novel. Yes. So that was kind of where he... Started to really... Become an actor. Yes. Yeah. Rather than just a supporting actor. Yeah, rather yeah. than bully number two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't get a lot to do, those guys. No. They pantsed them and poured a drink on them and then requested a robot lady of their own and struck a, bu- a really creepy bargain. Yeah. See, we like your style, so we want to make a deal with you. You let us have a crack at Lisa, and then we'll let you have Devin Hilly. Really weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's like, I think those two guys as well, Danny Jr. and uh, the other guy, <laughs> they... Yeah, that dude. Yeah, they very... It's similar to Anthony Michael Hall in the sense of everyone seems to be having a lot of fun making this movie. Yes. Yeah, like, um, every character has a life. Mm. Like, even the two girls who don't get... They get enough to work with. Yeah. But they, um, you know, they get time. They actually get enough time to talk, and you sort of... You can recognise them, at least. Yeah, yeah. Like, considering that they don't... You don't really get to build them. They they have motives, and, yeah. like, motive. Sorry, I should say, motivation yeah, they and they are... Yeah, because they... Granted, it's somewhat early, superficial, but it yes. is. Yes. They have early thoughts, at least, that maybe Downey Jr. and the other guy... Um, yeah. Aren't good guys. <laughs> yeah, but if they break up with them, they won't be popular anymore and go no. to the party. So it's like, don't. And it's an interesting one because that yeah. is the politics of high school. To yeah. Point. You can, yeah. You can, once you're out of it, you can take the high road and say, hmm. oh, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Well, when you're in school, it does matter. And that's where judging films like this and about 15 year old boy behavior is difficult. And it's crazy that, like, you, you, that's what John Hughes is really good at, is actually being able to explore and transpose the issues and the stuff that teenage kids in high school yeah, kids and go through. I haven't through. seen 16 Candles, but that's where Breakfast Club... Yeah. Like, Estevez's character. Yeah, and yeah. And things like that. And all of them, obviously. But, um, you know, the jock, the king of the school. No, yeah. he's got his own issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone like is going through something. And yeah, there's a reason, there's a motive for motivation for behaviour in general. Mm. Um... And yet, it's very easy to forget that. Yeah. Um, so to paint that well is, yeah. is very difficult. I mean, like I was saying before about American Pie, it's, it's still a very entertaining film at the time, and I could probably still laugh at it a bit. Road, mm. Road Trip's a pretty gross film, but it's also pretty funny and a really. I don't know, it's a college film, but yeah. But it's yeah. yeah. You know, that's similar kind of vein. You I can guess. get close enough to the comedy. I, I you know I wouldn't rewatch it many times. No. But um. Um, and I think 
like on that point of the, all those high school elements and things and the politics and what John Hughes is actually really good at and what mm. people connect with his films over, if that was laid heavy into this film, it would have made it even weirder and creepier, I think. And it yeah. just wouldn't have worked having that kind of borderline maudlin, like the sincerity in there with the absolute cartoon roller coaster you're on. Yes. It just is... No. <laughs> like, one and one do not equal two there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, for yourself, you... How long's it been since you last saw it, you reckon? Oh, probably a good decade. Okay, so, ten years later... Yeah, it's... There's definitely some funny, interesting, creative stuff in there. Yes. And, like I, like I said, we laughed a lot watching it. Yeah, we it. did. Yeah. But it's a film that I don't see myself revisiting again for at least another 10 to 15 years. No, and I would say the same thing. Like like I said, I went through a lot of emotions yeah. watching this film. I felt uncomfortable. I laughed. I really enjoyed the wackiness of it. Kept me guessing. Yeah. Um, but I have no urge to rewatch it anytime soon. Yeah. I'm very glad I've seen it because it was just so bizarre. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, just I'm like, oh, the 80s. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, so, and it is fascinating to see that kind of teenage aimed, like, boy film. Now, I, I'm really looking forward to 16 Candles when I eventually get around to it. Mm. To see the more, well, I don't know, my impression of it is more, maybe a more female approach, yep. in a way. Um, so, I'm looking forward to another another angle mm. from, from a guy who's got a great reputation for covering that stuff beautifully. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, in terms of uh, iffy 80s films, there's, there's quite a few on our list as well that we'll eventually oh, no, get yeah, to yeah, as yeah. well. So, this is good so, practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... So I guess like we'll jump in, uh, having discussed what mm. we think of it now. Um, Eric, as a kid, what do you think? How do you think you would have? Yeah, I think if I watched it young, I would have enjoyed it. And mm. then similar to yourself, I would have got older at the times that have changed, and I would have gone, "Oh, interesting." Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, say watching it as like a ten to twelve year old kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I would have. Um, yeah, of course, I would have not had an issue with it. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah. in terms of the issue side. Yeah, of yeah, no, no. And it's a super enjoy. Like a lot of weird stuff goes on. So yeah. You, you look past the creepiness of it, mm. um, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, really. Uh, just watching it now, and or just maybe watching it as an adult, I'm a bit like, it's a bit yeah. odd. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the final message is quite strong, and the way you get there is a really fun ride. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did feel quite uncomfortable watching it at times. <laughs> It's probably yeah. how I put it. But it's, as a kid, I think I really would have enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that all of those kind of problematic elements wouldn't have been on right. your radar. Exactly so, right, yeah. yeah. So, um, no, it would have been very... As a teenager or whatever, it would have been very entertaining. Yeah. And it's one that I think, like, I'm going to weirdly recommend to listeners, if you've never seen it... Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's, like, and you're just going to have to remember it's made in the 80s. Yeah. So, we've, we've as a society, moved a bit further forward. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's very entertaining. It's wacky stuff happens that you don't expect. Just mm. weird shots, like when the house transforms. Just wait till it cuts to a picture of his parents, and they suddenly just start dancing in the frame. Yeah, and can get sucked into the TV, and it's and, normal. Yeah, and people are finding it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, no party goer is concerned whatsoever. Not really, they're just laughing. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, that's what's mm. meant to happen. Um, yeah. Well, do you want to hear some alternate casting? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, so, the obviously, um, Anthony Michael Hall and stuff, like all these parts are written for the younger kids. Yeah. But in terms of Lisa, there was actually another actress who was cast in the role, um, and that she had to be replaced a couple of days into filming. Ooh. Uh, her name is Kelly Emberg. 
I looked yeah. her up, and she's in a couple of kind of sleazier late-night TV oh, movies, really? and uh, was a former model. So, okay. I yeah. think they went for... They cast her based on the fact that she was a model, and... Yeah fit the character... Yes, I mean, she was... Visually. <laughs> yes, exactly, and that's what, why she's created some, yeah. Yeah, but then I I'm, can only assume her acting was not the greatest, so she was then recast with uh, Kelly LeBrock, who did a yeah. great job. What else did Kelly do? Um, the only other thing I really know her from is uh, The Woman in Red, uh, which is a Gene Wilder movie. Um, uh, yeah, okay. But let me just quickly... She was, like, one of those classic, like, 80s model, model actresses. actresses. Uh, she was in Hard to Kill, which is a um, <laughs> a uh, Steven Seagal film. Um, yeah, okay. What else? She was in an animated version of David Copperfield. <laughs> that looks really weird. Uh, she was in Wrongfully Accused, the Leslie oh, Nielsen movie. I used to love that as a kid. <laughs> when the trains chasing. <laughs> yes! Uh, oh, other so, than that, not, so not a great okay, no, deal. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she was a very much a model slash actress, and not the other way around. Yeah. Oh, she's had some plastic surgery by the looks of that photo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah. But um. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the other actresses that were auditioned for the role of Lisa, uh, we had Demi Moore. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, she seems a bit young to me at that point. Yeah, how old would she have been at that point? Like, 85, um, mid-20... Like, I suppose Lisa's only supposed to be 23, 23. Yeah. so I guess, yeah. yeah. And the other one was uh, Robin Wright, who... Um, What's she? Yeah. You'd know her as Jenny from Forrest Gump. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, that's okay. her most famous role, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was kind of it for alternate casting and stuff. Yep. But, um... In terms of the film, how it went, um, so the film made $38.9 million worldwide, uh, 23.8 domestic, off a production budget of 7.5 mil. So, and they destroyed a lot of stuff with not much money. I noticed as well, when the house is getting fixed and everything's going back inside the house, yeah. and it's daytime, when everything went out at night, I was like, you had to do that twice. You had to destroy two pianos. So they didn't do it with filters? It, no, that was a night shot. So that wow. was, and because everything right. landed in the water, remember? As oh, well? of course. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, ooh, you smashed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so adjusted for inflation, it made around $110 million. Yeah. So not, not so bad. And relative to its budget, did okay. I found shocking, though. It was the 38th highest grossing film of 1985. With, yeah. the, like... But, like, $100 million is not bad, for like, you know, no. by modern-day standards, I guess. I mean, it's not great, but it's not. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, number one that year was uh, Back to the Future. So. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think Breakfast Club, if I remember correctly, was around about, like, the high teens. So that it yeah. definitely beat that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But... All right. It, it, it's a film. It's a film. <laughs> it's a, it, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um... Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you haven't seen it, um, give it a watch. Mm. It's a teen boy film from the the eighties. It's unique, I and think. It's, but yes, it's unique. It's, yeah. it's quite wacky in a quite a different kind of way. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, uh, I'll pass you over the hat if you uh, want to find you. out what we're watching for next episode. All right, everybody. Our next film is going to be or oh, totally different genre. Friday the Thirteenth. Nice. Okay. So that that'll be good. I, I have watched a lot of the classic horrors, but this is one of those that just just hasn't hasn't ever hit the pile. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think once I 
watch this one, most of the classic villains will have been ticked off. Yeah, I think the only other one we've got left on the list is probably Child's Play, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And, or maybe Hellraiser as well. Oh, yeah, Evans and Hellraiser. So there, yeah. there are a couple of those ones that I've always meant to, but... Um, mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Different one altogether. Mixing it up quite a bit, so uh, tune in for that. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening uh, for this week's episode. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. Catch you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.